Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us. We pray that you open it up to our hearts and open up our hearts to your word. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this Christmas story is a beautiful story. And when you grow up in a, in a, in a Western culture, in an Australian culture, you marinate in the images of Christmas every year, in the image of the nativity scene, and the tellings and the retellings of the, the three wise men and um, Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. And it's such a familiar image that should like, shoot right to your mind when Christmas begins to approach. And whenever you hear bells jingling, in fact, all these little things will, will bring it to mind. Now, there's a number of people who take it upon themselves not to like Christmas, and that um, means that that familiarity is still ingrained in them, but it's just really irritating for them. And I pity those people tremendously, because at this time of year, everyone else is really, really happy about something they don't like. And that's an awful way to go through life. That's, it'd be like being a non-sport person. A person doesn't like sport, but for one month in the year, every day you get dragged to a stadium to watch a game. And all around you, there'll be people who love the game with a passion, shouting at the field, talking excitedly about the players, jumping up and down when their team scores. And then there's the one guy who doesn't like sport. I don't even like sport. This is dumb. Why are they kicking a ball? That's a terrible way to go through life. But for most people, the Christmas season is actually interwoven with all this joy and all this goodwill. It's all that that comes out of the Christmas story. And like most stories, the, the Christmas story and the way that we tell it has often changed bits and pieces over the years. There's some discussion over whether or not the, the place where that Jesus was born, that manger, was a, a stable or whether it was a cave that was converted into a kind of a stable for the use uh, of the animals there. Um, often the nativity scene is, is pictured with pine trees and snow all around it in that classic sort of winter picture, but... Climate was probably much closer to a Middle Eastern spring than a Germanic winter. Christmas carols will sometimes embellish the story. Away in a manger tells us that the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. The Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus didn't cry or grow or learn like any other child. He probably bawled like any other kid. The little drummer boy tells us that the ox and lamb kept time. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. No biblical records of animals spontaneously becoming musical exist. Would have been a cool sort of musical celebration to break out amongst the animals at Jesus' birth. The very first music festival, welcome to livestock. <laughs> but as time has gone on, and our culture has changed bit by bit, there's been any number of Christmas story retellings that are, let's say kindly, a deviation from the original. When I was growing up, my favorite show for a time was... Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. Some people will remember that show. The introduction to that show is burned into my mind from repeated viewing. When the ancient gods were petty and cruel, they plagued mankind with suffering. Only one man dared to challenge their power, Hercules. Every week, a new excuse for Kevin Sorbo to unconvincingly punch a group of bandits through flimsy balsa wood furniture. I distinctly recall that series having a Christmas episode where Hercules ended up somehow, I guess, near Bethlehem on Christmas night, looking up at the star over the manger with the shepherds nearby. And he encourages them. You should probably go check that out. I have a feeling there'll be something very special. That's nice of Hercules. Now I've done some extensive research into the original documents, and I'm disappointed to say 
that Kevin Sorbo's Hercules does not feature in the original accounts of Christmas. And I looked for it, man. I wanted it to be true. But while the biblical account of the Christmas story never changes, and the telling of it always seems to change in little bits, the mark of a great story is that it changes you. That's the difference between a fun story and the greatest stories. The greatest stories that we tell tell you things that are true about the world, and they change the way that you see the world. When you close the book and you walk away, you come away as a different person. You've been changed by it. This is the first act in the greatest story ever told. It deserves that title because the greatest story ever told has the greatest truth and the greatest power to change us. And the passage we read earlier was just a slice of that first chapter. It's about the journey of the Magi. They're probably from Persia. They're probably, uh, their religion is probably what they call Zoroastrian. It's an ancient uh, Persian religion all wrapped up in the battle of light versus darkness and searching the stars for signs. They're astrologers. They're looking for wisdom in the patterns of the sky. And while modern astrology is a different matter entirely, these magi were alive at the right time to be looking at the sky for a sign. And they see a miraculous star, and they know it's significant because they've never seen it before. Stars don't usually just appear. And it's pointing towards something. They pack up their expensive gifts. They probably pull together an armed escort of a couple of dozen guards because... Old men don't usually wander around in the desert with gold and hope that things go well. They meet Herod, who himself is a king and not very keen that another king has been born. He lets them go to Bethlehem. He hopes that they will find Jesus and through them he will be able to find and kill Jesus. And then the wise men find the stables. They find the cave. They find where the manger is. And it says that they, they celebrate. They rejoice exceedingly is the classic translation. They, these esteemed wise men jumping around like happy lunatics. Their people have been searching for a sign from God and the stars for a thousand years with to be very charitable, limited success. But they've found him. They find him. They searched and God gave them a sign and now they've found him. These wise men, they know probably more than anyone else that they are standing at the crossroads of history. Before that night, the world was waiting with fading hopes to be delivered from its brokenness and its misery. After that night, the world has the answer from God that it needs, and it's just waiting for people to sort themselves naturally enough into two groups, those who embrace God's Savior to be delivered from sin and darkness, and those who are so mad at God they would rather be miserable and alone than saved. The wise men, they come to the manger, they realize that this child is heaven's king, the king of the stars, born now to become king of the earth, to unite the spirit of God with his people who are estranged from him, and one day to pay this terrible price to take away sin and to make those who follow him worthy of coming to that heaven that they're invited to join. And when it's time to go, they don't go back through Jerusalem as they came in. The scripture says that they return to their country by another route. Another translation says it like this. They go home another way. They're taking a safe road home to avoid Herod. But there's a second symbolic meaning to this action. They go home another way. The way they were when they came to see Jesus is not the way they were when they walked away. 
They encountered the true Son of God, the beating heart of the universe. The way they were, they will never be again. So they go home another way. Now we don't know what happens to these guys after this. There's Catholic tradition that says that each of these guys becomes a saint in their own right, but Scripture tells us no more about these three wise men than this. It's only interested in having them uh, visit the newborn king and then to send them home by a different path as changed men. But it doesn't need to say any more than that. The point is that they've had their eyes opened. They were seeking God. God showed up. He showed them the way to find his son. They found that son and they were changed. And everyone in this room fits into that journey somehow. You could be seeking the meaning behind the world, a sign from God to point you in the direction that you need to find out whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. Or maybe you found out that that thing that you're supposed to be looking for is Jesus. And that new life that he promises you is welling up in you. And you know that everyone who calls on his name is changed into a child of God. Or maybe this is the first Christmas for you where you've really been searching. And you're here like those wise magi were because something or someone directed you to this house as the place where you could come and meet with God today. Well, the story has not changed. You won't find a new story here. It's the one that you know. Mary, the young virgin who honors God, falls miraculously pregnant with Jesus. He's born in a humble manger. He's uh, laid in the straw. Rich, wise men come from the Far East chasing a star to see him. Dirt poor shepherds come from much nearer by to see him. All people have a reason to come to see him and to celebrate. Because he's the son of God. He's the one who can take away the guilt and the shame of the wrongdoing in our lives and make us worthy to live forever. And when he does this, he grows into a man by, by first taking what he doesn't deserve, the death penalty for the sin in the world. And then he gives out freely what we don't deserve, the right to live forever, life after death in the presence of God. and The power right now to start living a life with meaning and connection and true community and true communion with God and truth bright and clear. So go home by another way this Christmas. God sent his son to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And now you know it and nothing can be the same. Embrace the change that he offers. Don't leave here without finding out what you need to know to leave here by another way. And if you already know that change, if that's already happened in your life and this new way is familiar to you now, then pray this Christmas that God would use you to point others to the place where man is made from God, where heaven comes to earth, and where wise men kneel before a child who rules over all of creation. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that it's a true story with the power to change us. The first chapter in the gospel of your saving love. Fill our hearts with your joy this Christmas, Lord, that it overflow from us to those you've put around us, family and friends and strangers just united by the season. 
and draw us all to reflect on the truth that changes our lives, the coming of your Son, to take away sin and to open the new way open for us as children of God. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We invite you all to stand with us as we come and sing to our faithful Lord. Please stand. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you on this special day that we could all gather here together and worship you, to sing of the coming of your Son, to remember all that that means for our lives. We pray, Lord, that all around in our community, in our city, in our country, in the world, people are celebrating this, that their, their praise goes up to you, that their heart remembers the reason for this celebration, the birth of your Son, that this outpouring of joy today would be an offering to you, Lord, of a world that has recognized in some part at least the coming of your Son. We offer that up to you and our small part of it as well. We pray for those who would have liked to have been here today but couldn't be here because they were, they were sick or unable to come. We pray that you're with them as well on this special day. Will you fill them with the joy of the occasion? You send them our love. 
We pray for those who belong to this church and who have gone far and wide, who have uh, gone somewhere for this Christmas uh, to be with family in another place, perhaps, Lord. We ask your spirit is dwelling there. Um, we pray for all our loved ones as they travel, that you would give them safe travel to the places they're going and bring them back safely to us so that we can reunite as a community of your people. We pray for those missionaries that our church supports, Lord, uh, when they're in far-off places and celebrating this day, um, that you'll help them feel the real presence of your working in their community in places where perhaps Christmas is not so saturating our lives like it does in our country. Sometimes, Lord, we might take for granted the way that uh, this holiday just penetrates our culture here. We ask that the light of your son in this world uh, continues to penetrate through the celebration and, and through all the, the presentations of your gospel, the corners of the world that need to hear that gospel, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the ministries of this church and the, the, the fact that they're able to take a break over this holiday, Lord. Um, we ask that you fill them with new ideas, um, with new vigor and uh, new desire to, to serve you as the new year approaches, Lord. Um, because we know that everything we do is ultimately to, to spread your gospel. That more would hear of your son Jesus, that he was born, that he came, he grew, he died to take away our sins. And we ask, Lord, that you'll make the ministries in this church effective to that end. And Lord, we pray today for the, for the offering as it's taken up. We pray that you'll fill us with a, yeah, with a desire to give, Lord, a, a sense that... Um, we're doing the right thing. We're giving back a portion of what you've given to us in this way. And we pray, Lord, that it's multiplied to great effect abroad and in this community, Lord. That everything that's given goes towards the spreading of your gospel. That none is wasted. That it all goes towards people hearing for the first time that your son Jesus has come to save them. And we just thank you, Lord, that we get to rest. That our country recognizes this as a holiday. Uh, but still, for at least a couple of years more, Lord, um, Australia recognises the coming of your son as a reason to celebrate. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with our leaders. We pray you'll be with each family today as they gather around and celebrate Christmas in whatever way they do. And we ask that the presence of your Holy Spirit and the word of your son's coming finds its way into each of those meetings, into each of their hearts that you highlight for each of us how we can tell others in our lives of the coming of your Son. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
let the world come together today and sing joy to his birth. So we're going to sing our last song, Joy to the World. So we invite you all to stand with us and sing with us, please. so much for coming and celebrating Christmas with us. Let me pray a final time. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this celebration today, the fact that our families can come together and celebrate you. Um, we just ask that you are with us today and tomorrow as we, we feast and we rest and we praise your name. And so, Lord, uh, may your Holy Spirit be with each of our families this coming break. Uh, may you dwell among us um, and fill our hearts with the reminder of the coming of your Son. May everyone here that your son, son Jesus has come to die and to save the world and to rise again. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas, everyone. And if you would like chocolate, please. I got so much. <laughs>